0: I apologize if you're going to have trouble seeing this, but I hopefully you can. Um, It's always good to kind of figure out how the things are in our world. And this is one of those diagrams that's very useful. Uh, This comes out of Romans chapters 2 and 3, but it's really the state of our world. So uh, I'll leave it up here, and you can take a picture of it later if you want to, to try to see it. And apologize, Chris, you'll kind of add an angle, and uh, you can see it in a second. But we basically have God up here, and we have man down here. Now, we understand that that man uh, was designed and created to worship God, okay? So there's a little hole in his little heart where we were just designed to worship God. We're designed to be in relationship. We're designed to want that relationship with God. But of course, what happened? Sin entered into the world. And suddenly Romans chapter two says there's two kinds of people. This kind of person is going to reject or refuse God. Uh, Uh, reject him they are going to do what they want to do so they're just kind of rejecting refusing God over here the other path that you could take is that you seek God Uh, scripture says if we seek him with all our heart he's going to reveal himself to us and so there are some that are seeking God they wake up they look at creation and they say, there is a God. Now, can I get to know that God? And they're seeking for God. And then suddenly, even those that are seeking God, and and by the way, Romans says, that it is by God's goodness that a man comes to repentance. When we figure out how beautiful and wonderful God is, we're like, we're just in love with him. And then both sides run into this thing called the sin problem. Are you with me on that? Suddenly, even though we want God, we suddenly realize that no matter how good we are, how hard we try, we just kind of continue to ruin the relationship. Have you ever said, I'm going to start a diet on Monday and by Thursday you broke it? Or if you say, I'm not going to sin anymore and then by an hour later you've already sinned. You know and and so it starts to dawn on men and women and children that we have a sin problem now on this side scripture says that is their sin problem is no problem because they just excuse it all away they just keep redefining what they want whoever the they is, whoever is sitting on the throne of their heart, they just do what they want to do. And so scripture says they are given over to sin. They're just in it. They're in dysfunction. They're in depravity. They just continue down that path. On this side, there's like this dawning of revelation because we read scripture. That's where revelation comes from we start to understand that we're incapable of pleasing God and that we need a Savior, don't we? Say, yes. Yes. Yeah, we need a Messiah. We need somebody that can figure this out because we can't deal with the sin problem on our own. Now, over here, when people are given over to sin, you can say self-deluded You can say dysfunction, they're just getting worse and worse, not knowing the difference between right and wrong. But the sad thing is, is because of their actions, they get more and more broken. Are you with me on that? And when they get more and more broken, they still reject God and refuse his word, or er. And so what you have in here is just a, a, a spiral. But instead of spiraling up, it's spiraling which way? Down. And it's just going worse and worse because uh, we're given over to sin, we get more self-deluded, more dysfunctional, you start doing all the isms. Materialism, humanism, uh psychosisism where you're just crazy because you don't know which way you're going and it's just this nasty circle but over here we understand that we need a Savior and so we're gonna choose we're gonna choose Christ and then here's God I wrote him in the wrong place right there and suddenly God says I choose all those in Christ and what happens is this spiral is a spiral of transformation. It's a spiral of reconciliation. I am sinned. I walked across the street. I got hit by a bus, but I'm on my way to heaven. Because in spite of my sin, Jesus covers it. Hallelujah. Praise God. For his grace and mercy. And so this becomes a wonderful spiral and this becomes a very negative spiral. Now this is where we are in our world today. Are you with me so far? Are you, are you, are you tracking with me? The spiral is starting to really put pressure on the church to go liberal. See, maybe 40, 60, 80 years ago, it was the church that was impacting the world. But now the world is impacting Christianity. So much so that you have these people in pulpits, places of power and authority and ecumenical councils, and and they're going liberal. They are adopting the things of the world. And so in here you could say I know it's getting messy. You could say flesh. You could say the devil. You could say the world. It's that unholy trinity. And on this side you have the Father, you have the Son, and you have the Spirit. And so this I better find the cactus. This is the context to our passage today. And that's why it was so important to just do a little review. But it, like I said, it's, it's good to do just a little bit of review because our world is drifting away from biblical moorings and it's spiraling not only downward, it's affecting the church. It is in putting an invisible, if you want to say that, an invisible pressure on it to water down sin, to accept all the isms that, that I said, materialism, self-love, self-fulfillment, and to accept sin as an okay indulgement. It's okay. And we re, the world is redefining what sin is. I mean, you think about it. What were the worst things something could happen to a fifth grader in 1950? What were his biggest charges? The biggest problems that he had? If he chewed gum, couldn't ask to go to the bathroom in English? Uh, you know, those were those were the things that 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 happened. I, I only relate that because Mike actually had that situation happen to him. And and but today, fifth graders, they're told, "Well, you may be a lesbian. You you may be gay. You need to get in touch with with your." sexuality at age 10 are you serious oh well now this lifestyle is acceptable and this lifestyle is acceptable and this is acceptable and and it's just like wait a second what is going on I'll tell you what's going on this in Romans chapter 2 and 3 has spiraled out of control and it's hitting the church and some of the people in church are becoming liberal or they're just walking away from what scripture says. In Romans chapter one, verses 16 and 17, it says, well, let's read it together. Turn to Romans chapter one, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, because that's, that's what this is, the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Romans chapter one, if you have not underlined it in your Bible, I would suggest that you do. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. But here's verse 17 that often does not get quoted. For in it, that is in the gospel, in the kingdom, in this powerful, die to self, live for Christ, there is a righteousness of God that is revealed from faith to faith or from faith for faith because as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And and so the real church, we follow the gospel and I am including we, the royal we, we, we follow the gospel. Those who are sold out to Jesus Christ that made him Lord of his life. And that does not mean you're perfect. By all means, you are not perfect. Neither am I, but guess what? Forgetting what lies behind, pressing on towards what lies ahead. I want to be found in Christ. And so I push, you push, and we don't compromise. But as the world puts more and more pressure on, suddenly there's this vacillating back and forth. And it's just like, wait a second, come on guys. What does the word say? Let's go back to the word. So here's the context of today's passage. Paul is about to be killed. He is about to be murdered for his faith in Christ. This is his last letter that we know of to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he's going to encourage him because Paul knows what's coming. Paul sees this coming. And he's writing to his beloved son because Timothy is under a lot of pressure to cave. Guys, you're under a lot of pressure whether you realize it or not, but you know. To get along, you got to go along. That's the world's motto. And there's coming a point where, wait a second, we need to stand firm on the word of God no matter which way the the, the ocean is, is pushing you or the river is pushing you. If you're not anchored to the word, if you're not anchored to Jesus, the culture will take, the tide will take you out. Amen. You'll be like in a riptide and you will be powerless. And that's why you have to be anchored in scripture you have to be anchored in Christ and it's not acceptable to become more liberal (laughs) so we're in second Timothy chapter four and we're going to pick it up at verses one and we're just going to go through uh five verses and in your outline you'll see that every point for today has its own reference point in our passage so i hope that it just like jumps out at you okay so let's just read the text and then we'll go through the text first of all he says i charge you timothy this is paul your head your spiritual daddy your spiritual father the one that mentored you the one that brought you to christ possibly I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearance and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Verse three, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So there are there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine things that he is going to tell us through Timothy today. How? Because that's the logical question. What do we do when we're over here and the world is its influences and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and people that you've known for years uh, that have taught suddenly they come out and say well you know I'm kind of siding with culture on this one and you're like what? What, what are you talking about? And so how are we to live? What are we supposed to do? Is, is there any wisdom for God's word for today on how to deal when the world is out of control and they're redefining right and wrong and then labeling you intolerant? What can you do? Well, right here, look, look at the very first fill in the blank. And now I can take this off and Heather can give the very first fill in the blank says this, remember your calling. He says, I charge you, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. And then he goes on and goes, hey, the world is going to be judged. I don't know if you know, he slipped that in on all this. He said, the world right and wrong still is right and still is wrong, no matter what the world says, and it one day will be judged. So if you think you're, you can sidle up to the trough of the world and feed your flesh and everything's gonna be okay, it's not, he says, wait. And he uses some strong language in the original language that it was written in. A directive it's a command he's giving almost if you would say a forceful order I don't know if you've ever given your children a forceful order go clean your room and your kid goes oh dad means it I'm, I'm, I'm taking this seriously or any other command that you've given your children remember Timothy is the child spiritual child of Paul and Paul uses this very strong language that says remember your calling Remember, sinful people will get their comeuppance. Those that uh, those that have been given over, we want them saved. We want them to come to know Christ. We want them to know the Savior, but they're not going to get away with it. I don't know if that brings you great comfort, but it brings me great comfort that the things that are going on in this world are not going unseen. God is not asleep. God is not on a vacation. God is watching very intently what his children are doing while taking notes what the world is doing. And there is a day he says, Paul to Timothy, Jesus Christ is to judge the living and the dead. Even death won't get them off the hook. Do you notice that? They still have, will have their comeuppance. And by His appearing, just by His appearing in His kingdom, God's going to right the wrongs. So don't be tempted to forget your high calling. You are a follower of Jesus. Do you realize that? You have pledged allegiance. You have made vows of commitment. You have died to yourself in a watery grave. You have said, I belong to Christ. That's what I-A-N means at the end of Christ, a Christian. I belong to Christ. I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. And so he says, remember that you're a Christian in these days. Remember that you have a high calling. And then he goes on. He says, ah, and this is what you're supposed to do. Verse two, Second fill in the blank. Preach the word. Don't preach conspiracy theories. <laughs> Don't get wrapped up in politics. Amen. Don't get wrapped up in the, in the little nuances. Yeah, we are to be aware. We're, we're supposed to be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. But the thing that we're supposed to be letting out of our mouth is the good news that God came to rescue us from a fallen world and so we have to remember wait a second I need to preach the word does that mean that all of you are going to need a pulpit you have a pulpit Amen. you have a pulpit Amen. your children Amen. gotta hear the word from you the authority in their lives your neighbors that you interact with you have a pulpit it's called your neighborhood I can't even believe I'm saying this. You have a pulpit called Facebook. Okay, I said it. Everywhere you go, you carry the fragrance of Christ upon you. Everywhere you go, you're dying to self, carrying your cross, allowing Jesus to live in you, to live through you, and to be glorified. Every day, you have a pulpit. It changes for us. Today, I have a pulpit. And it's a this, but you'll have a pulpit tomorrow or later today when you're at the bank or at Walmart or in your neighborhood or talking to your children on your phone. You have a pulpit to preach the word. That doesn't mean beat them. It means because remember what I said at the beginning, Romans chapter two, it says God leads people. By repentance. People come to Christ because of repentance. I'm not, not repentance, but, well, yes, repentance, but because of God's kindness, it leads a man to repentance. It's God's kindness. So guess what? You talk about God's kindness to your neighbor. You ask the neighbor, have you ever been at the supermarket and you notice that the person that is checking you out is broken hearted? Come on, you've seen people waiting on you, serving on you in the customer service, or a teller at the bank, or some employee, and you see that they're broken hearted. And suddenly you say, can I pray for you? Can I pray with you? What? what can? I... You're preaching, but what are you preaching? Oh, you're going to hell? No, you're saying, God's so kind, he loves you. Can I pray for you? That is using your pulpit to preach the word. We are to preach the word. And then that goes on. He goes on this. Be ready in and out of season. That's the next fill in the blank. Be faithful in and out of season. We don't have a time clock, do we? You know the difference between somebody that's salaried and versus an hourly wage earner? How many of you've had to work salary? Did your boss take advantage of it? <laughs> Amen. Yes, 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 and yes. I don't want to use that negative connotation, but you're—you've given your life to Christ. You you, you don't say, "Help!" Oh, you know what? It's after hours. I'm I'm turning off my Christianity. I'm turning. I'm dialing back my love. I'm dialing back my charity towards my neighbors. I, I'm off the clock. Don't call me. Don't call me after nine, okay? If you have a problem, suck it up, Nancy. No. Guess what? As a Christian, it's, it, you're ready in season or out of season. You're always ready. If you're mentally and emotionally prepared to receive a phone call or to be able to look for those opportunities to help. It's called confirmation bias. <laughs> It's it's this weird thing that if you look for all the red cars today in the in the world when you drive home You're gonna go wow. Look, there's a red car. You drive a red car. You have a red, you know, and 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 wait God wants you to have confirmation bias on those people that are hurting Can you see the hurting people? Are you ready in season or out of season? To be able to touch their lives with the gospel the good news of Jesus with kindness not rep- See, the world, I, I know I keep referring back to this, this spiral. They say we're hateful. They say we're intolerant. They say we're bigoted. They say we're moral prudes. They say we're fundamentalists. They say all these things, but they've never really met a Christian then because somebody that follows Christ comes to the woman at the well with compassion or the woman that's caught in adultery with compassion. And so we, we just are to be ready and looking for those opportunities. So man, remember your calling, preach the word, be faithful in and out of season. And then he says, what we're supposed to do. He says, here's the next fill in blank. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Some negativity sometimes is needed. And sometimes it just means encouragement by exhortation. That means you're encouraging people to do right. Just like John the Baptist did. He encouraged people to follow Christ. He was an exhorter. We are to exhort one another. And then I love he qualifies it. This is where I struggle. It says with complete patience. I don't have complete patience. But I am to, you are to use your pulpit with complete patience as you reprove, rebuke, and exhort those they're needing to hear the word because that's what we're doing. We're, we're, we're taught, telling them about the gospel because in the gospel is that transformation of power. Be faithful in and out of season, rebuke, reprove and exhort. And then verse three says this. I think this is where we're at. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But will have itching ears, and they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into miss. As the spiral gets bigger and bigger, and it's putting this incredible pressure on people to either say, "I believe the word of God and I'm standing on it, and I'm standing on my vow, and I'm standing on Jesus," or, you know, uh, cultures kind of change their view on on these issues, and so I think it's okay now for Christians to 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 agree with the world. Because then it makes my life a little easier and I don't have to exhort or rebuke or correct and so it's a it's a lazy way out. It's a lazy way out. Don't compromise in difficult times. That's the fill in the blank. Don't compromise in difficult times. There is going to be a lot of misinformation. That's where you could read the word myth where people will wander off into misinformation. You gotta go back to the word. People will turn away from listening to the truth. That's why I said earlier, I I know this isn't on tape, but, but earlier before we started the service, I talked about church is so much more than one hour out of the 168 that we meet as a body. You know, we, we get to see each other at least once a week for an hour, but for 167 other days, the church still is existing. It's still working, it's still moving, it's still breathing by loving on one another, caring for one another, being the influence of salt and light in a fallen world. It isn't just what happens on Sunday morning. In fact, I would say, dare say that what you're doing in your quiet time, in your prayer life, in your neighborhood, has such significant power for transforming you because you're being led by the Spirit when you're doing those things, then if we are to be here every hour, every Sunday, it's just not gonna do the job. And so we can't compromise out of 167 other hours. Are you with me on that? It's really easy for people to come to church and put on a show, amen? oh yeah we got dressed up we showered we bathed we put our perfume or deodorant on we're put on some nice clothes and we come to church and we glad hand everybody until we get to the point where we really know one another and then it doesn't matter those those peripheral things and because we know what each and every one of us is going through and we're lifting each other up in prayer through the week you know, how are you doing on the new school year? How are you doing on the new job? How are things down in the government department? How are things going on with your family and, and, and your, your, your daughters? or, or yeah, you, and it's, it's real life. Christianity is real life. And that's why we can't compromise just when it gets tough. Say amen to that. Amen. And you have to decide now before you get in the back seat, Right? You know what I, I'm referring to. Okay, don't need to go into details, but you know, you make the decision to stay pure before you climb in the back seat, right? You you say, I'm not gonna compromise. I'm not gonna compromise the word of God. And then I love what he says. Look at five. As for you, always be sober-minded. He says, keep your head about you. That means, yes, we have to sometimes look at things at Facebook just to know what's going on. And sometimes we have to watch news and we have to be educated. We're, we're not a cult that says, oh you're gonna disconnect the world and go live in Wyoming in a cave until Jesus comes back. No, how can you be salt and light? So you got to keep your head. You got you to gotta know what's, what your goals are, where you're, where you're traveling. And then he says this and this is where it's tough for us. He says, Endure suffering. He doesn't say, enjoy it, but he says, get through it. Endure suffering when somebody wrongs you, when somebody maligns you at work, somebody talks bad and ill of you in the neighborhood, endure the suffering, knowing that Jesus was persecuted. And that's not to have a martyr complex, but he's just encouraging him. You can get through this. Amen. I need. Did you any of you needed to hear that in 2020? You're going to get through this. Amen. We need encouragement, and he says, "Keep your head. Know where you're going. Know what's going on." And then the next fill in the blank after enduring hardship, he says, "Do the work of evangelist. Do the work. God's called you to. Do the work, and don't say." Well, Rob's the one that is gonna lead people to Christ. No, you're gonna lead people to Christ. The Great Commission in Matthew 28 was not just for the select, the few, the proud and the Marines. It was for everyone. As you go into the world, take my teaching, baptize them. Man, get the gospel message out and he says, as for you, always be sober-minded and do our suffering. Do the work of evangelists. And here's the last fill-in-the-blank. For me, I said do your duty. <laughs> or fulfill what God's called you to. We fulfill mean. your ministry. Because we, we all have a ministry. Yes. Again, it's a salaried position. It's not a time clock. You don't retire from ministry. Did you know that? You don't retire from ministry. You're always carrying around with you the fragrance of Christ on you. Amen. And so you do your duty. That's you. you are to go and, and be salt and light to a world that is putting intense pressure on you to compromise right now. And so I want, I wanted to encourage you today that no matter what 2021 looks like, we know how to respond to a church that is having pressure put on them. You cling closer and harder, more tightly to Jesus. As he picks you up from the footprints in the sand and is carrying you, don't be kicking, but embrace. Embrace your love of Christ. Go in 2021 with a smile on your face. With the joy of knowing who you are and where you're going and what your purpose is. Because that's what Jesus has called you to. Yes, he said, Yoke up with me. But he said, My yoke is easy and light. I'm taking. He's doing the heavy lifting. Are you with me on that? He's doing the heavy lifting. And he says, come, my yoke is light. And I've called you to a ministry, but I'll do the heavy lifting. In fact, you're gonna just enjoy this. Let's pray. Father God, oh, we thank you and love you for giving us salvation through Christ. And I'm so glad that it is light and airy and not burdensome, that there's forgiveness of sin, that the sin problem has been taken care of. And that we needed to hear this word of encouragement at the beginning of maybe a tumultuous year where we will not compromise the word because the pressure from society becomes so great. We stand on the promise that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. We thank you for that promise and we stand on it. In Christ's name we pray. Ain't good.